Welcome to The Grap Up, episode 17, your monthly blast of cold takes on the world of professional wrestling. Available everywhere good podcasts are sold. I am the wheezing cough man, I am Mark Robinson, and with me to bring you the greatest tandem since Chronic, he is the editor over at The Wrestling Observer, he is Brian Rose. Brian, it is good to speak to you again. It's good to speak to you, but Chronic? <laughs> Look, I got yeah, that's keep, a I, deep dive. I got to keep this uh, interesting team to choose. I got to keep this spicy every month, and uh, uh, I was like, "All right, what's the what's the tag team of the month I'm going to go with?" And just chronic came to me straight yeah, away. That, that just comes to mind when I <laughs> when I started watching wrestling. So I I, uh, I got into wrestling at the turn of the the millennium, and we had a, a one on our one of our terrestrial television channels called Channel Five. Um, they had. I can't. I think it was called like WCW Worldwide or something. It was like a, a highlights one hour package, um, and yeah. so there wasn't really that much wrestling for me to watch at the time because I only had the basic television channels. I didn't have Sky or anything, so I was restricted to basically Sunday Night Heat and this like WCW Worldwide. But one of the first things that I I got into and one of my like favorite like personalities at the time was chronic because obviously they were big and jacked and and i liked their theme tune and uh i liked they their, had a good their, song i like their that. high times finisher as well um yeah but then they had that match at unforgiven 2001 and <laughs> <laughs> my opinion swiftly I, I just rewatched that recently crush wasn't like okay he was terrible crush was terrible no wait no no it was brian adams a uh, adam bomb yeah who was terrible but Crush was like next level. What the hell? Yeah. What are you doing? Just, just an all round disaster of a match. Yeah. Um. How you How you been, buddy? Uh, my My first My question that I always bring to you uh, when we do is do this is to find out what you've been playing over the last month or so. I've been struggling to play anything. It, there's just nothing right now after Pokemon for me. It's just not much. I've just you know for me it's video games i i don't know if for, for me it's it's like i have to struggle to find something that i want to play that i want to play consistently have uh, you, you know, not elden been tempted ring, by the lore of elden ring that's what i was gonna ask i yeah uh elden ring i'm just nervous i'm going to pay like 60 dollars to play it then i'll get to a boss then i'll get decimated and then i will lose all interest uh, that's my uh, problem with Elden Ring. I, I've heard all the great reviews. I, I've seen it in action. It looks cool. But I have heard too many stories of I died at this boss and it's not appealing to me. Like in, in the year 2022, the kind of games I want to play are easy games that don't take up a lot of time and are nice to to see it and play i I, an elden ring uh, i don't think is is that it's a it's kind of hard what i heard so yeah that's that's what i've heard and certainly been um reinforced that opinion on the podcast over the last couple of weeks what about kirby are you a kirby man at all i am thinking thinking about kirby i'm not sure if i'm going to get it I, I'm leaning towards yes. I, I've I've but, sunk a good few hours into it, and uh, it's certainly you know it's no kind of groundbreaking type of game, but I am having a very good time with it so far. Yeah, I, I'm thinking like okay, maybe I'll just pass on it because you know Kirby is not. I I like the Kirby series. I've played some of the 3DS games, and they're fun. 
but it's like, am I going to pay $60 for something I'll play for a few hours? Uh, like, I don't know. Like, I'm thinking about what, what game am I really going to sink my teeth into next? I'm, I'm not sure. Do you have... I don't, I don't know if Kirby's going to be it. Do you, do you have an Xbox? I do. I would recommend downloading Tunic, then. That would be my, my strongest recommendation. I have you. seen that on Game Pass, and I have heard about it. Yeah. It looks, that, it looks nice. It's 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 really good. Um, you can okay. check out my, my fault on it on the last episode of A Link to the Cast. Plug, plug. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd give that... If you like Death Store from last year, or if you like you know Zelda games in general, uh, I'd give check, Tunic uh, a check out. Because it's on Game Pass, yeah. so... Yeah. I'll, I'll check it out. But, uh, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I can bring up I, I have played WWE 2K22. Oh, I yes. I spent time playing that in the last month. Yes. How... Um, so, you... If I recall from your tweets, like, you was doing a review for the, the Figure 4 website for that, right? Uh, I'm, like, on the fence. At this point, it's, like, time constraints and... Uh, ah, okay. You know, I, I am planning on doing the streaming. I am playing on streaming and playing the, the game. I was going to do it today, but then uh, the microphone issues came up, and I still want to get things uh, set up nicely, and I haven't had time to do that. So it's probably not going to be this week, but more than likely next week, I'm going to start uh, streaming uh, again and playing W2K22. But I can share my thoughts on, on the game, and... It's uh, significantly better than 2K20. Uh, not many issues uh, in terms of, uh, 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 in terms of a technical level. I didn't have too many issues with the game. Uh, there, there was one time where I got stuck to a wall, but I mean, it wasn't too many times. Um, I thought it was overall gameplay-wise, it's it's better. I like the combo system that they put in this year, and I. Uh, I like some of the modes. I like Universe Mode. I like My Rise, which I think is the new career mode. And, you know, it has you uh, choosing a brand and then you experience storylines with, with original characters. And it's actually very well written. And uh, significantly better than what you see on weekly WWE TV. And uh, I like that. Uh, there's like a My Faction mode that's kind of like. Uh, microtransactions and stuff like that that I wasn't interested in. Uh, and, you, you know, um, if you play any of these games, you know about the tag team modes and Money in the Bank, where it's like there, there's no limit to how many times the, the CPU will break up the pin, so it, it, those go on. Those can go on forever. I, I played one Money in the Bank match where it lasted like a full hour. I just sat there with my controller waiting for it to end so I could move on with the, my universe mode. And, uh, you know, th that kind of stuff is is still an issue. But overall, I, I thought it was a much better game than last year, and they can improve upon it uh, big time, obviously, but this is definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, uh, so one, the one thing that I've really noticed is actually the lack of... Uh... The lack of activity that the game has had on my Twitter feed, because I remember the last game that came out, for a good few weeks, you couldn't escape, you know, the GIFs and clips of just what was just a broken mess of a video game. Yeah, um, this isn't a broken mess. Yeah, it, it's it has issues, but it's not broken. I've seen like one or two GIFs maybe, but, you know, the, the comparison is night and day between last year's, uh, the, the last offering and this one, so... 
Um, I'd say in that regards, they, they've done a... Well, it should be the kind of lowest bar to set, which is, you know, release a game that isn't broken. But they've crossed <laughs> yeah. that bar, so good good on them, I guess. Yeah. And also, Reading Mysterio has a showcase mode, and mm. that was fun, but I kind of don't like that mode because it, it requires you to do specific things, and I... I I don't want like to do. I don't want to do specific things in my wrestling games. I just want to play it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Does that mode like with that with the Rey Mysterio mode? Do you have to do it to unlock like other features of the game, like to unlock characters I, and stuff? I don't think characters. But I think it unlocks outfits and stuff. Okay, all right. So nothing too kind of like crucial to like just getting in and I playing the game. Then I, I don't think so. No. Okay, all right. Oh, cool. Uh, the first thing on the agenda this month, then, uh, I, I think even with like stuff like WrestleMania and Revolution, and we, we, we've got a pretty packed month, um, I think it would be yeah. fair to say that we should start with the passing of Scott Hall, or Razor Ramon, uh, who passed away a couple of weeks ago now as of this recording. At the age of 63, um, he had had uh, a hip replacement surgery, um, which then unfortunately... Uh, suffering of complications due to a blood clot meant that he ended up having three heart attacks uh, and then was on life support for a day or two. They took him off life support. He didn't immediately, you know, pass away. But uh, unfortunately, that was that was the end of um, a very eventful life would be a very mild way oh, yeah. of putting it of, of Scott Hall. Um, and I'm going to pass it over to you, first of all, Brian, and just kind of say, like, what are your... Like your thoughts on Scott Hall, like your memories of Scott Hall, and um, you know where does he sit for you in the the, the annals of, of professional wrestling history? Well, he is a very important part of the, the Monday Night Wars in the mid nineteen nineties through uh, two thousand two. He was a very big part of that, you know, with the NWO and um, you know, and even before that, he was Razor Ramon, which you know, when you think that. A Tony Montana gimmick from Scarface is coming to WWF. You think you know that's it's pretty cartoonish, but you know he made it work. He made it work, and he became Bayface, and he got really over. And you know he he like I haven't seen too much of the stuff before that, but I mean when he was Razor Ramon, Scott Hall was extremely charismatic, and he got that gimmick over. And he was he was a big star in the WWF, and you know the NWO stuff. I mean that that's the stuff people are going to remember the most. And he was extremely over, and he was a pretty good wrestler. And you know, unfortunately, once the NWO stuff really got kicking, he got you know there's all sorts of medical well he had medical issues later in his life, but. A lot of that due to his excessive life. I mean, everybody knows the stories with Scott Hall, from uh, you know the the overturned vehicles, the the drinking, you know, all the other stuff. Uh, everybody knows those stories, and those deep back to like the late nineties. And uh, and you know the good thing is is that. I'm, you know, and for many years, unfortunately, that the story of Scott Hall was, you know, you shouldn't bring him in because who knows what's going to happen. And for, for many years, that was a story in uh, WWE when they brought him back for the NWO and that didn't really work out. Uh, the multiple runs of TNA, I remember that. And 
Those never worked out that well. And then DDP got brought in and he brought in Scott Hall and you know you know, in the observer Dave and, and even Sean Maltman said, you know, it wasn't one hundred percent it didn't one hundred percent work because he still had issues, but I mean there was a time where WWE did start to bring him back and he seemed to be on the right path and he got inducted into the Hall of Fame and he he kind of, he did turn his life around a little bit and you know it was nice to see because that th those are the kind of stories that resonate with people about people who were uh, down in a very dark place in their life and you know we I remember seeing you know I think that one video back in like 2010 or something where he was just completely out of it at an indie show I, I, they and they showed that video on uh, the Razor Ramon documentary. And, you know, to come back from that to being in the Hall of Fame, that, that's certainly a, a very nice story to, to see. And, and, you know, hoping that he, he really did turn his life around. And uh, at least for a in a little, in certain terms he did. But obviously there are days and times where he wasn't. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, like you said, it was a very uh, interesting life. Uh, you know, also the stuff before he entered wrestling with uh, the bouncer story where he uh, got an altercation and saw, shot somebody in the head and that person died. I mean, you know, that, that's that's very heavy stuff to live with and maybe that's explains some of the stuff that happened later in his life. I don't know. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting life. Uh, very cool. Very charismatic. He came off as very cool and it's very... It's very tough to come off as you know a very cool baby face, especially well, back then. It was is easier today. It, I don't know, but uh, yeah, he was very charismatic, very cool. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought he was a very smart person in the business, and uh, yeah, it, it's very sad to hear that he that the way he died. I mean, he, he broke his hip and he he didn't wasn't able to reach anybody for a few days, and then the blood clot. But you know, this is a story that could have had that could have had a much sadder ending. So um, I am glad that he turned his life around at least a, a little bit. I was on a better path than he was before DDP. Yeah, I, uh, I I'd been listening to a fair bit of the the Lapsed Fan podcast. They had um, I think they're up to like four parts now, and they're all several hours long. There's there's quite a lot there. And they do a real like extensive look at his career, um, and they you know they don't they don't beat around the bush in terms of talking about that you know yes he was a very influential figure he was obviously a very uh, he had the charisma he was cool um, he has the iconic matches and the presence and was a pivotal part of the Monday Night Wars but he was also you know. He could be. He was problematic. He was. Uh, yes. He. The best way I think they kind of described it is that, like, a lot of the time, if someone was complaining to him about something, he would be like, "Look, it's just it's a work, man. None of this is real." But when the shoe was on the other foot and it was based on him, then all these problems would arise, and it's like you know you got to think about business and all this sort of stuff. So there is real. There is a a real. Uh, there are two sides to Scott Hall. 
when it comes to you know the the professional side of it and the the personal side of it um and for me like i i didn't grow up watching scott hall like i got into wrestling around the year 2000 so he was very much gone from wcw at this point so my yeah. first proper introduction was you know the nwo return in 2002 um and that obviously is not peak scott hall uh, and certainly no. isn't the the strongest you know defining era of his work um and then you know i saw the stuff with tna and obviously yeah, that just that that should never have been a thing in the first place but that's no that's a conversation for another day on another podcast <laughs> yeah so yeah it's obviously it's it's a tragic shame um there are obviously like parts of his redemption that can be um celebrated and uh yeah you know it's it, it made a lot of like mainstream news like i've got an article open right now from the bbc website uh and for me it's like if you're on the bbc website you know that's a pretty pivotal sign that you had some impact you know um so so yeah like and obviously we saw the tributes and everything and even ftr came out this week on uh, on dynamite wearing uh, nwo inspired gear um there was the yeah. brit baker gear she was wearing a couple of weeks ago for a match so you know he absolutely had uh, an, an influence an impact on this on on this industry and a lot of people say he was arguably the greatest wrestler to never win the a, a world heavyweight championship um and i would argue that and I think even like people around him have always said that he never really needed it, you know. Like he just he kind of operated on a different level, uh, and that was never an essential part of his character, which I would agree with. So we'll leave that there for now, um, and I guess I guess we'll jump into WWE and try and clear some stuff off before we. Well, you know what the the preview of WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> do you know should we just start with this preview of WrestleMania now? Because I feel like we're going to get I it done. I think so. In about five minutes. There's a, there's... Yeah, I mean the the build to this year's show is um, I mean, there's a lot of arguments about whether the build to this show was good or not. I think it was the best that this version of WWE can do, but I don't I mean, even I agree about, with that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's good, but like better than most WWE builds. In well, I mean, I my issue so much with this this WrestleMania isn't even the build; it's just the cards themselves. Because you look up and down this card, right? And say, for example, you've got here like the New Day versus Sheamus, Sheamus and Rich Holland. Which now, obviously, this was originally going to be a six man tag, but also, like, so Butch isn't in there. Uh, no, Butch isn't even in there. He's going to be on the outside. So good job, Pete Dunn. Oh. Happy happy to hear where your career is going. Um. This is like, you know, bottom of the hour fucking SmackDown at best. Like, this is not a WrestleMania match. Like, I look at this card and I see a lot of, like... Because WrestleMania hasn't always been, you know, the granddaddy of them all in terms of the card being stacked from top to bottom. Like, you go back to those early Manias and you've got, effectively, like, a bunch of squash matches at points. Certainly on, like, Mania 4 and 5. Um, yeah, those early WrestleManias had like a bunch of nothing matches. Yeah, and and I'm just seeing a lot of that on this show as well. Um, so starting with night one, April seconds. Um, for a start, one thing I find weird is that they've got both of the women's singles matches on the same night. I would have felt like you would have split them up. Um, but this Charlotte, so both, 
Both title matches are on the same night? But, uh, I mean, according to Wikipedia here, um, which obviously is the credible factual source of all information that we should use, uh, it is showing me that they are on the same night. So, oh, I didn't realize that. I will start with you on uh, Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. Uh, <laughs> this did not light my world on fire. No, Ronda Rousey in general is not <clears throat> really capturing whatever spark she had the last time she was here. Huh? Yeah, she's just not. She's not coming across like she did back then. I don't know what it is. Is it like? I don't know. I, I don't know what it is because you you know, a couple of years ago when she had that big run, I mean she was pretty good, and I, I think maybe it's just the fact that it was new. And it was, it was, you know, somewhat interesting. But now we're, we're back to this match again with her and Charlotte Flair. And the back and forth hasn't been that inspiring. You know, it, it doesn't feel like a hot feud. It feels like a, a feud that's leading to a match that's going to happen. And I don't know who's going to win. But, I, I mean, th this Ronda Rousey run so far hasn't really... Insp I don't know if it's like... Like, like, she's out there doing stuff, but, like, is she, like, inspired, like, last time? I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's not... It didn't resonate with me this time. Uh, like, last time, where I thought it was pretty good. I, I think the biggest issue with this match is uh, people just don't care who wins it. Or, more importantly, yeah. people would probably like both of these people to lose, because, you know, uh, Charlotte Flair is not exactly... Um, the biggest fan of of parts of the internet and the, the wrestling community and yeah no. and again like ronda rousey's just she's bringing nothing to this and you look at like other uh female wrestlers on the roster your rhea ripley's and more crucially your sasha banks who are uh, yeah buried away in that um in a tag match that multi-tag match on night two and you're like you could really be doing something better here. And, you know, like, Sasha Banks has been documented as proven to be a fucking ratings draw. And uh, it just seems like a real waste of talents that they have elsewhere on the card. And I, and I think that's probably, like, the bigger thing here, where just no one cares about these two people or cares about this match. The thing is, is that WWE in 2022 does not, is not in, interested in, in booking, like, good matches. What they are interested in is booking matches that are going to appeal to not only you know casual fans who want to say who want to hear Ronda Rousey's wrestling, Logan Paul's wrestling. Wow, I have to see that. They they want to cater to those fans and they want to cater to sponsors and you know other corporate stuff. This is like a card for their corporate culture that they they've seeped themselves into more and more. <clears throat> as each year passes yeah so this, this, this whole this is the reflection of that this whole logan paul thing like i've not followed up with his uh his boxing career and i know i understand that um certainly the first fight or i don't know how many fights he's had but i know that he's brought in a lot of of money and a lot of buyers from pay-per-view but like surely there's been a diminishing returns with that kind of thing and surely like the freak show nature aspect of that just, I don't see how that translates across to, to wrestling. Um, and and that's not to say that they're not smart for doing it, because obviously, you know, they've brought in uh, non-wrestlers to do this kind of thing before, and you think back to, like, a, a Floyd Mayweather against Big Show, but there's, like, an 
there's a degree of credibility there um, that I just don't I don't buy with Logan Paul. And, and even like, I don't know, there's, there's something about the Bad Bunny feud last year that works even more than this. And I think a, lot, a large part of it is just I, the whole like aspect of the Mysterios against the Miz. I just, it, it's, it doesn't do anything for me. I am sick of Miz. I'm sorry, but this gimmick is shit. I am so tired of hearing the Miz come out and giving a laundry list of all the things he's done 10, 15 years ago. I, th- this gimmick is so stale, it does nothing for me. And, you know, he's out there whining about how nobody gives him any attention. And, you know, I-, I think it's like I'm supposed to feel like this. But there's gimmicks in WWE where it's not that I'm supposed to not like them. To, to me, I see these gimmicks and it's like, I want to change the channel because I do not care about The Miz and his gimmick that he's had for the last... 15 years it does nothing for me at this point that it's that is probably the biggest problem annoying. Is like he he feels like he's been in it he's come from a time capsule you know like that gimmick is yes. the exact same as it was and, and that's not to say that he hasn't made tweaks to his gimmick over the years like you think about what he was doing with like damien sandow and the more like you know the kind of like movie johnny cage-esque parts of the character that he added on but by and large like his persona and his moveset it is straight out of 2011 2012 um and yeah uh, and and like god bless dominic mysterio but um he's not doing it for me and i'll, I'll leave it at that to be kind you know it's it's i kind of feel for him because he is somebody that bypassed nxt and got called up to the main roster, and, well, he wasn't ready. And, you know, I kind of grade him on a curve. He, he's okay, but would he be on the main roster if he wasn't Rey Mysterio's son? Probably no, not. Not in a million years. No. I don't even know if they would... Well, he, he's tall. They would probably recruit him for NXT. Is he that tall? He's, he's okay promo. He's tall next but, to his dad. Yeah. Yeah, he is tall next to his dad. That's true. Um, we've got the, the Raw Women's Championship, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair in the ultimate let it play out. And we're here now. I will let it play out. Um, if I was booking this, uh, Bianca would win this match in about six seconds to basically do the, the reverse or the coin flip of what happened at SummerSlam last year. We will wait and see. Um, I I don't think this feud has, has been terrible, but like so much of the wind has been taken out of Belair's sales from SummerSlam on was last year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, it has been. And, you know, I, I still think that she's very charismatic. I, you know, she came off very well during the, this feud. I think she's a great promo. But, you know, it is true that Bianca Belair has lost some of what made, uh, what got her go over after she lost to Becky Lynch in, in six seconds. And Becky Lynch, I mean... This stuff isn't working for me either. I ha- It's very much the Stone Cold stuff in 2001 where he turned heel at a time when he shouldn't have and people still want to cheer him and, and root for him and he's doing all the stuff possible to, to be a heel. But Becky Lynch is out there doing the same thing and it's like she was much more over when she was babyface. Why, why are we doing this? Why are we continuing doing this where she's a heel and every week she goes out there and cuts the You Fans promo? Each and every one of you. 
you know, it doesn't. It's it's, it's a weird dynamic. The feud the feud for this match has been okay. I I, I kind of like the stuff on Monday where Bianca cut her hair and Becky Lynch threw a gasket, got a new hairstyle the next day or something. But um, overall, you, you know, if Bianca Belair wins this, I won't have too many complaints. If Becky Lynch wins, it's like why why. My my issue with the hair cutting thing and has been pointed out elsewhere is should your baby face be doing such a thing? Is that the actions of a baby face? No, they don't know where baby face is anymore. That, well, there is that. They we, really don't. We was having that conversation on the first show when we was talking about day one, so I guess there there is that. Whoever um, books this has no idea what a baby face does. No. I I mean the Mysterios cheat all the time in their matches and. Everybody's confused and nobody explains why they're doing this. There's a lot of things that are like, okay, why why am I supposed to root for this person? You know, there's a lot of that in WWE. Uh, Seth freaking Rollins versus Veer Mahan. You are you ready? Are you hyped? Are you psyched? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Veer. Yeah, I'm ready for Veer. Yeah. Um, this Monday. It, it, is it Cody Rhodes? I guess that's the question to bring I'm up here. You know, it, even at, it even is. up to this point, there are people still saying that it's not guaranteed that Cody is in. In general, I, I think the th- I think the thing is is that PW Insider reported yesterday or earlier this week that Shane McMahon was coming, but you know, Dave kind of debunked that on Wrestling Observer Radio last night. He was saying, you know, he's supposed to be in. He's supposed to be. He's here every year for the Hall of Fame and. WrestleMania and all this stuff, so it's not like a huge surprise. But you know what? Since WWE likes to troll people, they're like, like they're the only promotion in the world that likes to troll people and just get people mad until they give them something that they like. Well, what I can see them doing is Shane McMahon will come out for this match with with Seth Rollins because people are expecting it to be Cody. Then something happens. I don't know what. Somehow Shane McMahon is taken out, and then Cody Rhodes comes out, and everybody cheers. And so basically, and they they overbook it, book it where yeah, you know, they should this be. This is simple. what they do. This is what they do for every show, for every big thing that they're going to do. So I can definitely see something like that happening. I, I was going to say, but, actually, just to go back there to the Shane McMahon thing, I'm almost surprised that he would be back for the Hall of Fame and everything because he didn't exactly have the most uh, cordial exit after the Rumble this year. That's true, but then again, uh, he was there during that period, in, like after 2009, where he was like, he, he left and did his own thing, like trying to get broadband in China or something. And, yeah, uh, but he still left he to do his own still. thing, as compared to here, where he was basically trying to book himself to win the fucking Rumble by the sounds of it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, um, so this, this yeah. whole Cody thing... Um, well, actually, even before that, can I say that this whole like path to WrestleMania storyline for Seth Rollins is actually the worst thing of, of both cards and the Every, idea. It was the story for like seventy five percent of these matches. The idea every year where you've got some guy who's like, I have no path to WrestleMania. When you have like other cards on the show where one person comes out, literally on this card you have Edge going, "Hey, I won an opponent this year. Someone come and challenge me." Yeah, it's. 
it like there are just these little things where it's like you wish that there was some sort of continuity editor that would just be like you you can't fucking do that storyline if you have this storyline and vice versa um but you know the problem is is that like three different feuds revolve around nobody having a pass towards wrestlemania i think kevin grimes and xt had that storyline uh you know, I think there was uh, Kevin Owens for a long time didn't have a pass towards WrestleMania and Seth Rollins. It's you know it started a few years ago when John Cena did not have a pass towards WrestleMania, and that was stupid as fuck because why would he not book John Cena for <laughs> WrestleMania? And you know he sat there in the crowd like a dork, and then they had this weird match with the Undertaker. I'm not. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I actually quite enjoyed Cena sitting out in the crowd, like reacting to, like the early funny, part. I, guess. I I quite enjoyed that in his reactions. Um, yeah, but yeah, was dumb. Like, and then ever since then, the, the, the crutch for WrestleMania is nobody has a pass towards WrestleMania. Yeah, it's, when, it's, a, it's a lame crutch that they use every year now. It's when these feuds should have dumb. been defined like three to six months out. But hey, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the the obvious result here should be Cody comes out, squashes Seth in three minutes, and you know mm. off to the races we go. But I I, I would agree. Who knows? But I don't see them doing a three minute match. Yeah, uh, oh, I mean, look, as long as Cody wins, I think that's the kind of the, the crucial yeah. thing here. Um, and then we have like him and Seth feud for the next six months, and we all lose our minds over it. Uh, you've just reminded me, actually, that we have the Kevin Owens Stone Cold confrontation, which, you know, because it's technically not a match, is not on the cards here. It's, but... they, they're pushing this very weirdly. I think I think the story is, is that Steve Austin didn't want this to be called a match, but they are booking this like it's a match. So, you know, Steve Austin saying, you know, I haven't done something like this in 19 years. And uh, you know, like what appear on WWE TV? Like you've appeared many times since you retired. You know, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't make any sense. But I think that's the story, and so as a result, it's, it's kind of weird. But yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know what to expect from here. I'm expecting them to to do a brawl. Um, I don't know. It, it's a it's a very weird feud, and Steve Austin never appeared once to confront Owens, so it's not. Yeah, that's that's the biggest know. for me. The biggest part of this is like it feels like a really last minute thrown together thing and quite lackadaisical because you've not had Austin appear once. But on the flip side, of that I can understand that it makes the pop for for Mania that much bigger. But as you mentioned, there's like it's not like Austin hasn't appeared on a semi regular basis over the past fifteen odd years in you know like one offs or you know when he was the. Um, was he the GM? Was the special enforcer? I think it was the co-GM with Bischoff. That's what he was. Yeah. You know, he's he's been on TV in a bunch of roles over the time. So if they're trying to hold him off because it makes the the Mania on Sunday now much bigger, I don't get it. The last time I was at Mania, Austin. The last time at Mania was in Dallas, I was there, and Austin was there. You know, he was on on the show. Um, so I, I don't know if it's a case of he doesn't want this to be a match because I, I, I certainly understand that like his last official match was against Rocket Mania 19 and that was a great send off to have and he yeah. probably doesn't want to be like this thing where it would you know end up being like a six second match similar to what The Rock had with um, the, the White family um, at that Mania as well 
Like, I, it could just be a case of that, and he wants his official last match to be that match with Rock. Um, but then, yeah, again, it's like, what what does this match look like? Like, what? how is he moving around? The reports have been that he's in great shape, but he's still 57, I believe. You know, I'd imagine he yeah. would get blown up pretty quickly doing anything that goes more than fucking 10 minutes. So, Probably. what is this? And it main events night one as well. It's It's so peculiar. Yeah, I have no idea what to expect. I am hoping that I'm guessing this will turn into a match. I have I don't know, but it's it's very weird. Uh, you know, as per norm with WWE, but I, I can't understand what how they book stuff and how it makes any sense. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. If they're going to close this out, it has to be something big. You know. Uh, I don't care about pretty much anything on night two so i'm just going to jump straight to the main <laughs> event and uh and we can discuss a little bit here of what is i guess arguably like the best booked thing on the show and just from a like sense of stakes sure like brock lesnar versus roman reigns title versus title is um in the the wwe universe is an important big deal uh, i would argue yeah. that it still isn't because the titles don't mean anything but Look, no. if you're going to try and make an important match, this is the the biggest thing that they can do. Um, this is the way, then this this is the way how you push a big time match. Exactly. I'll give that. Yeah. My problem I guess is that I've already seen them do this match several fucking times at this point and uh, I can't say I'm particularly compelled about seeing it once more. But where where are you with this match? Like do you have any like anticipation for it at all? Do you think the build has actually been good? I think the build has been okay. I don't know. Um, it'll be a good match. I don't expect this to be a bad match, and I expect them to have like a really good match. Thing is, is that I saw this five, six years ago, WrestleMania thirty thirty. You was, was actually you the, like was you, you was at the one in California, I presume, right? No, the only one I've been to was in New York, or New, oh, okay. New Jersey one from a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Uh, I'm planning on going to next year's show, but I didn't go to the one in, in L.A. back then. Okay. But, yeah, yeah, they, they had their match years ago, and it was good. But, the, you know, the, the, the thing is, we're here seven, eight years later, and we are still doing this. And, unfortunately, they've decided to... Uh, squash everybody else in favor of Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. They made this the most important match because they have have sent Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar after everybody and everybody has uh, been de-pushed and feel less relevant as a result of both of their pushes. And this, I mean, it's a good way to do something short-term and to build a really big match. Uh, but after this, who who's Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar going to feud with? Who well, who is there? Bobby Lashley. Well, not even just that, but like, do we have just the one title going forward? You know, if if I would presume Roman wins this match, but you never know. Like, if Roman wins this match, is he now on both Raw and SmackDown? Uh, does he go to Smack stay on SmackDown and we get like a new title for Raw? You know, what happens with all of that? That has me really curious. That's a good question. I can see them eventually going back to two titles. I, I don't see them sticking with one uh, for a long time. Maybe for a few months. 
but not not that titles are important anymore because you, you know like you said these titles don't really mean I guess the WWE title does a little bit but everybody else I mean I mean look at how they booked a, a Balor and uh, Ricochet in the last few weeks that they're nobodies and they're champions so I I mean it's yeah it's it's not I, I'm it's it'll be a good match. I think they'll work very hard and have a very good match, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's the biggest match ever for them, and I, it'll be okay, it'll be, it'll be good, but it's not like something that I'm, like, really invested in, I'm, I'm just thinking about all the, the WrestleMania matches in the past that I looked forward to and had much better build. And much more interest on my end. And for me, you know, them hyping this as the biggest WrestleMania main event ever, it's like, you know, okay. You tried. You can keep telling me that, but you're not going you to convince me. You keep telling me, me that. <laughs> <laughs> you're not convincing me. Um, speaking of the last WrestleMania I was at, and uh, speaking of Roman Reigns, he the other half of that main event was Triple H, and that was a really like awkward way uh. of doing a segue, but... Yeah, the the news from Triple H himself that he is um, yeah. done as an in-ring competitor. Um, this was his first like proper public appearance and interview since having his uh, his issues his issue last year. Um, and yeah, basically he has a defibrillator in his chest, and as far as he's he's aware, he's done as an in-ring competitor. He's uh, how old is he at this point? Like fifty? He must be like mid fifties. Fifty. Um. And, you know, there was a lot of discourse going back and forth about Triple H and his career and, like, where he sits in the grand scheme of things. And, again, I started watching wrestling in the year 2000 and, uh, like, to a lot of people, the year 2000 is the year where Triple H was firing in all cylinders and was, you know, arguably the best there was at that time. Um, I, I think a lot of the problems that people have with Triple H is... And it's a fair complaint to make is that, you know, he spent too much of his career on top and being the focal center of attention and always at the expense of other people around him. Um, but yeah, I, you know, like, what did you make of the news? And, and yeah, I guess kind of similar to my questions with about Scott Hall, like where does Triple H sit in the, in the grand scheme of things? It, his is much more fascinating because there, there's two eras of Triple H. And those who remember watching wrestling in the year 2000 and beyond, they remember Triple H as a guy who, like you said, put himself and his push ahead of everybody else. And a lot of people uh, fell victim to that. You know, just to rattle off some names, I mean, Rob Van Dam, Booker T, I remember that WrestleMania match. Oh, my God. Um, You know, Scott Steiner, there's a lot of people... Goldberg to an extent. Well, I mean the Scott Steiner one, I don't feel as bad about. In fairness, no, but you know he he did, you know. Yeah, but I, the make I sure. Think, I I think the biggest one was the Triple H Goldberg feud. Like that was yeah. just. I I think one of the big things about Triple H is that he, a lot of the time, just did not read the room in terms of understanding what a type of match needed to be, and he always wanted to bring things back to like an old school like he always wanted to be a, a rick flair harley race type of champion and 
there were just times when it just did not call for it. And like, you do not go and try and have this long drawn out match with Goldberg. That's never been his style of match. That's never a type of match you should do with him. But just through, I don't know, sheer stubbornness and thinking that he was all that, he would go and try and do that sort of match. And, you know, like that, that first Goldberg run was a disaster in a number of ways, but yeah. the Triple H feud was the biggest part of why that first feud was, that first run was so terrible. Yeah, and you know, just he, Triple H usually went out of his way to put himself over against anybody. Nobody got the rub from Triple H unless Triple H gave explicit permission to, to give people the rub. I, I remember one time where uh, London and Kendrick came out and like saved him, and then he just oh, pedigreed them. Yeah, I remember yeah. that one. I remember one time where uh, he like completely buried Chris Masters because if you remember. Uh, Chris Masters left for rehab and then came back and was significantly smaller. And mm-hmm. Triple H made a crack about uh, losing like twenty pounds in six weeks or something. It's like, dude, why are you like, like, why do you do this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like just going out of your way to bury people and just put yourself over. You're like, you are untouchable, and you, you know you're you're never going to not be the most pushed guy on this. Brandon, you're just going out of your way to like make sure nobody gets over except you. I mean, he, he had that reputation for so many years. I mean, I even remember when he was feeding with Sheamus and stuff, and he was doing like banana peel finishes to where he had to lose in order to advance the story, but then would come back and just utterly destroy Sheamus to the point of parody to get his heat pack. And it's like, dude. Why? I remember he pinned Sheamus at that WrestleMania that year, and Michael Cole yes. was like, oh, Sheamus has proved that he's belongs. Like, no, he just lost <laughs> clean in the middle of the ring. Even as recently as a few years ago, when they gave Jinder Mahal that push, and uh, they had a match in India where Triple H pinned him, and it's like, oh, Jinder Mahal got the rub. Yeah, well, what's Jinder Mahal doing right now? He's yeah. not on either WrestleMania card. Uh, now, on the flip side of that, he, you know, the reason Batista became the star that he is is because of triple h so it's That's not like true. he was enabled. He was very selective he, yeah very selective extremely um, selective yeah but you know when he wanted to he could do it just sadly it was the only time he ever really yeah, it was, did it, it. Was, it was pretty much like one of the first times where it's like yeah triple h is doing something with batista he is putting over batista and batista got over and a lot of that was because triple h actually let him Go over. Like, imagine if he lost at that WrestleMania. Do you think we'd be talking about Batista right now? Probably not. No. But yeah, you know, also, but there, there's that sec that section of his career, and then the section of his career after he became a part-time wrestler, where you know he became the, the everybody's favorite, you know, guy because he was signing people that people liked in in the independents and was putting all this great talent into NXT and NXT really took off and had these like excellent <laughs> cards for so many years. And a lot of that was because Triple H recruited uh, most of the great indie talents that were just standing around doing nothing. Uh, and, you know, they, it, it, NXT became a very important and, and big deal for a long time. And that was because of Triple H. True, uh, but he also did cripple the independence as well. So it's... yeah, yeah but there's that flip side too. Yeah. I mean, there's he did cripple the independence for a while. He 
butchered the UK scene. By, well, by yeah, but the UK. to some degree, wow. I'm kind of glad he did. Uh, uh, there is yeah. some of that, yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, there, there's... It's very interesting how... I don't know if whitewash is the word, but, I mean, he... His reputation improved among many people once he started doing all that with NXT, and it's just fascinating from somebody who started watching wrestling in the year 2000 and saw the rise of Triple H as this untouchable guy, and then a decade plus later, he's like Uncle Paul, and and he's taking pictures with all these NXT talents, and you know, it's very fascinating. (laughs) I mean, all I can say is I got into wrestling partly because of Triple H. Like, the first event that I watched was the Royal Rumble 2000, and him and Cactus Jack had... What is still to this day awesome one of match. the most violent fucking spectacles that I've yeah. ever seen. Uh, and as an impressionable 12-year-old, I was like, well, I can get on board with this. Uh, and off to the races we went. So, you know, like, I can sit here and bury Triple H as much as I want. Because I will say, that match with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 32... Sucked. I think that match is still going. I can't confirm. Yeah. But, like, that it was... never ended. That card was so long. One of the and they go out there and have this twenty-five minute match and rest holds and just the Triple H style of, of match that did not work for that environment and just, probably that, wasn't a good that, match. that could actually be the most like egregious example of Triple H not reading the room and realizing yeah. this thing needs to go like four minutes, get in there, Roman squash the fuck out of me, and just you know like be done with it, but. Yeah, there we go. Um, the last thing I'll just point out or just kind of uh, highlight with WWE, um, uh, Big E you know, broke his neck a couple of weeks ago. Um, that situation could have even been worse from what Big E himself was saying. Uh, but, like, you know, like, thank God he has the neck that he does that he could take. That sort of, like, blunt force trauma to that area. Um, and it's just been... It's been overwhelming to see like the level of positivity that he continues to uh, just kind of present. And, you know, like I follow him on Instagram and you would never think that other than seeing the actual neck brace on him that he has had like what is a significant and potentially career ending injury. But you just wouldn't think that by just like, you know, what he's doing and what he's saying and... um yeah, like, I, this all speaks to, and it's not important in the grand scheme of things, but just, again, how much they fucked up that title reign and what he could have been and, and like, just this this level of positivity that this man um, presents and emits is just unbelievable. And, you know, I just, I hope he has a, a speedy recovery. And even if he never wrestles again, I just, I hope that, uh, you know, that there's no long-term impacts from this. Yeah, so I watched this live and it's like, I saw that and immediately thought, oh, man, that's not good. And then, you know, you hear all the stuff about him being stretchered out. And, you know, the, the one thing that I do notice and I thought was, it speaks a lot about Biggie's character, is that he immediately went on and said he was fine and thanked everybody for support. And, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we, we've seen videos of him be, do, reacting very positively to this news. Uh, you know, and this is, it was a very close call. Uh, he he was talking about how this, you know, could have killed him, and you know he's out here being very positive and you know, being 
it's it's really inspiring in some ways. Um, but yeah, you know, you do look back at that 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 uh, title run, and you just think it could be so much better because Biggie has a charisma that connects well with people. You know, he's a great baby face. He's he's somebody you really want to root for. And you know, I just think about that title run, and it's like. You know, WWE has a way of, of telling you whether or not they're interested in pushing somebody, and that for throughout that push, you know, it was booked for for, for me to feel like, okay, as soon as they have the WrestleMania plans, he's gonna lose the title, because it's you know he he's one of those guys. It's it's a lot like the Kofi Kingston push in a way. It's actually it mirrors it perfectly because this was uh, you, you know. He lost the title immediately, and he immediately went back to being a part of the New Day. It's, um, it's, it's very, I, I wouldn't have done it that way. I would have done this push uh, way better, but, uh, you know, you can't, you can't change it now. But, um, you know, he's going to be out a while, I would assume. It, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a miracle that he doesn't need surgery or anything. So I guess he might be back sooner than, than later. I don't expect him to be back anytime soon, but maybe shorter than, than a year because most of these neck injuries, you know, when they break their neck, it, it's out for over a year. And I don't know how long he'll be out, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it looked very bad. And he, this is, comes after a, a lot of close calls. I mean, we all remember the Madcap Moss thing from, from last month. And there are some times I've seen recently on XT where people are just landing on the neck, and it's like, don't need that. The the the, the Creed brothers, there's some stuff there where it's like, oh, don't be careful, be more careful. So it's like, uh, yeah, unfortunately, finally somebody really did get hurt. But you know, all the kudos to Biggie for taking this so well. Like last time I saw one of his videos, he was putting together like a. Seinfeld Lego kid. He was having fun with it. So I hope he has. He's a. He recovers well and comes back sooner than later. Leaving WWE for now and heading over to AEW. Hey, do you remember that Revolution show that happened like a year ago, two years ago? I know. It feels like two years ago. Uh, I guess we were trying to do a, a kind of quick rundown of that show. Um, I thought that this show in general was was pretty good. I don't think I was as high on it as a lot of other people, and certain matches I weren't as high on, and I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, I thought that the crowd were kind of weird and quiet at points. And one thing I've realized for me is that if the crowd dies... Uh, or gets really quiet. For me personally, it really impacts my ability to enjoy a match, uh, and that's that's something I've noticed about me, um, you know, recently. And not so much with like the clap crowds and stuff because that can't be helped anyway. But just like you know, the the Tony Storm match last night, like the crowd just went dead for most of that, and I was just yeah, they reacted out, big. You know, they reacted big for her once the match started. It was like. Eh. Yeah, exactly, and I just it's I switched out at that point, and you know we'll talk about some of that um, during this show. But on the main card, uh, Eddie Kingston defeated Chris Jericho in honestly, this match was fucking awesome. I love this. I thing. like this match a lot. 
like easily one of the better matches of Jericho's career and you know I can't say I have like extensive knowledge of Kingston's career pre AEW but like AEW wise definitely his best match by far so far oh yeah I can't think of a better AD Kingston match. I mean, I like the match with CM Punk a lot, but I thought this was actually a little bit better. The build before a CM Punk and AD Kingston, I think, was better than this. But that, that in terms of the actual match, I thought him and, and Jericho had a better match, which I did. Is, is really kudos to both. What really yeah, helps is Jericho great. being dumped on his head in the first five seconds. Oh that yeah, really I remember that. That, that. There's another one, another close call. Um. And it's actually, it was one of those matches where it became apparent that they were going to continue feuding, and I was more than happy with it, because like, this match was so good, I got no issue with them having another singles match in the near future, and uh, and this all tied into what we ended up with, with the, the Jericho Appreciation Society, um, yeah. and the ongoing feud with Kingston and Proud and Powerful. Uh, which I'm I'm all here for. Uh, I think this kind of works in terms of giving something meaningful for Proud and Powerful to do, and uh, and you know giving a little bit more weight to 2.0 and Daniel Garcia, whose uh, whose attire this week was fucking inspired. Let me say, <laughs> yeah, he's really uh, sports entertainer Daniel Garcia. Yes, the sports entertainer. They're all sports entertainers now. Yeah. And there's a lot of things they can do with that, so I'm excited to see what they, what they do with it. Jericho's very creative in that area, so yeah, I I, I really we'll feel like do. I really feel like he is going to do what he can to get these three over in particular. Yes, um, so that's that's awesome. Jurassic Express defeated Red Dragon and the Young Bucks in a three-way tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championships, which I was quite surprised by. I had a feeling that maybe. Uh, Red Dragon might pick up the titles here and then continue feuding with the Young Bucks after. And I wasn't really feeling this match going into it and for the first portion of it. But it was one of those matches that just got better and better the longer it went and then ended at the right time. And like I didn't even realize that was happening. But then as the match ended, I was like, son of a bitch, you, you guys got me into this. Fair play to you. You know, just you never count out the Bucks to draw you in, even if the, the feud going in isn't really doing anything for you. Yeah, I mean, they're. Some people don't like this, but I'll say that they're one of the best tag teams ever. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they had a great match. Uh, and it got better as you, as it went along, like you said. And you know, I do expect Red Dragon or, or Red Dragon or, or someone to eventually win the titles, either them or the Young Bucks. Because that is going. I think that is the overall feud. That, that's that's overarching feud that's going on for the next few months. I, I so, like, feel like those two teams are just treading water until Omega comes back, and they can then that is true go full acceleration with whatever with them and Adam Cole. I, I feel like they're just kind yes, of hovering there, around there, until there then. Is, I do think by the end of the year we are, we are going to see a split between um, Red Dragon and Adam Cole and the rest of the Elite. That's definitely what they're building to, but it's kind of on hold until Kenny Omega comes back from all the surgeries and stuff so yeah and it's like it doesn't See, seem that return is coming anytime soon so i i yeah, wonder yeah i think he still ha- i think he talked from wrestling was a radio about how like he had another surgery to get through then who knows i think he, he said like i don't know i think he said a few more months so i maybe by the summer hmm. who knows 
Wardlow defeated Christian Cage, Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks in a Face of the Revolution ladder match for a shot at the TNT Championship, which, as I thought would be the case, uh, he would lose to Scorpio Sky after interference from MJF to continue that feud or really push that feud into the next gear. And uh, I got to say, I'm done with multi-man ladder matches for the time being. He says this yeah. as there's going to be one this weekend with with NXT. I know. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, like this, this just. I didn't get anything out of this match. It was a little bit too clunky. Yeah. You didn't have the right type of people in there, the right type of ring generals, even with a Christian Cage, to uh, to just kind of make this thing flow. And I, this didn't do anything for me. Yeah, it was fine, but I don't I don't remember much of it. So. Uh... That yeah. probably and, says you know, it all. It a, yeah, that probably says it all. It's just, you know, there's been a lot of these matches as of late, and sometimes they're really good. But lately, a lot of them are just, let's do a ladder match and put in a bunch of people. and Those don't work well all the time. And like, I, I'm I, not get, saying I get this it. was a bad match, but I don't remember anything about it. I, I get it that you want to try and get as many people onto the show, but, and you know, they only do pay-per-views every three months, but look, look, just, if you can't get a Will Hobbs on, you can't get a Will Hobbs on. Um, I just, I don't think he works in this type of match, and uh, yeah, uh, I just, I just, I, I don't think this was an inspired idea, and it, you know, if, storyline purposes, it made sense in terms of giving a catalyst for the break-off of Wardlow and MJF, but you could probably have just had him have a fucking shot at a TNT title because he'd been powerbombing everyone for the last three months. Yeah. Um, but there we go. Jade Cargill defeated Tay Conti in about seven minutes for the TBS Championship to retain uh, Jade coming out in some Mortal Kombat-inspired gear. That was... Uh, she was Jade. She was Jade, and I I can't remember who kind of pointed this out, but it was like you had her come out as Mortal Kombat just looking a million fucking bucks, and you had Adam Cole yeah. come out in the main event in his Spartan gear that looked like, you know, the lowest rent cosplay from whatever <laughs> video games expo. And I was like, Adam, God bless you, but you you, you really should have... Uh... <laughs> if you'd have seen Jade backstage like looking like that, you should have just taken that Spartan gear straight off and going, you know what? I'll just wear my ring jacket. It'll be fine. Um, though, I'll be honest, that is about the only thing I have to say about this match. Yeah, it was fine. Um, Take Conti's improved a lot, a, a lot. And Jade, Jade's getting there. I mean, she's uh, exceptionally charismatic. Uh, her in-ring, uh, it's improved. We'll see where it goes. She's still a work in progress. We'll, we'll see where it goes. I think I... both of them are really don't know what a Jade Cargill Marina Shafir match looks like. That I don't know. That that That's could be ugly. Match. That could be ugly. Like, are they are they gonna put Marina Shafir over already? <sighs> I don't I don't know because I don't think it's time for Jade to lose. But if you want to push somebody immediately, I mean that's that's what you do. Yeah, but do you want to go from someone who is incredibly green with that title to someone who's probably even more green with that title? Mm. Probably. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's a that I, I wasn't expecting that match. So maybe, we'll maybe the TBS title become like a UWFI shoot rules style <laughs> yeah. type of title. Yeah, just have them go out there and shoot. 
Um, right. Are you ready for my hottest take that I think I've had on this uh, podcast oh. so far? Uh, okay. I thought Punk MJF was fine, but I didn't think it was that great. Oh. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought, look, in terms of the storyline and, you know, the kind of get, getting across certain aspects of the, the physicality and the brutality, it accomplished all that. And I did like the, the ending with Wardlow coming out and not finding the ring, then finding the ring. But I found large portions of this match took forever to fucking get going. And uh, I've, I've gone back and watched this match three times. And I felt like the crowd, like, died at times of it which I think plays into what I was saying earlier about, like, I really, I go, my ebbs and flows with the crowd are, like, kind of in sync. And if they go, I go as well. And I uh, just, you know, when I got to the end of this match, I was like, yeah, it was okay. But, um, yeah, I, I wasn't there in the same way that a lot of other people were. Oh, I do agree that uh, the crowd at times were not that interested in this match. And I think that the match that they had in Chicago was better. But it's also it was also a bit more like the Chicago match in that it was very slow-paced, uh, very methodical. And overall, I mean, it, it was a good match, I, I thought. Um, you know, CM Punk coming out to his old Ring of Honor theme, that was really cool. Um, yeah. Um, I, I don't think it was a bad match by any means. I, I thought I thought it was pretty good, but not the best match on the card. But yeah, I, I mean, it was the, the the crowd could have gotten more into it, I, I think, but maybe it was because they were just working at a slower pace. Uh, so yeah, I, I I don't think it was a bad match by any means, but no, uh, and I certainly they had better like, matches. Yeah, I I'm not sitting here saying that I thought this was a bad match. If I was saying that, I would be a liar. Uh, this was obviously a good match, but just yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I wanted it to have a little bit more pace to it, or or um, it could have gone like you know five minutes shorter. I'm not sure, but just the the crowd didn't stay with this match the whole way, and as a result, I didn't as well. So um, I don't know. Maybe I'll try and watch this thing another three four times over the year to try and kind of figure out because. I can see this being like one of those like top ten matches of the year, and I'm gonna be just the one going. Nope, I don't get it, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens come the end of the year. Uh, Britt Baker defeated Thunder Rosa to uh, retain the women's world championship, which she would then lose two weeks later uh, in Thunder Rosa's hometown of San Antonio. Uh, I think everyone could see from a mile away what the the booking pattern was and where they were going. Uh, with all of that said. I think if you were going to do this, you probably should have just had someone else have this shot at the title and then just have the Thunder Rosa sh like title shot two weeks' time because yeah. I don't think this helps in any way. And I, I, you know, it's it's kind of weird how she had to lose here to, to win it a couple weeks later. That didn't make much no. sense. And I want like, it. These two oddly, the whatever chemistry they had in that lights out match a year ago they haven't been able to replicate it they really haven't have they no no i mean i mean the the cage match a couple weeks later when it was i don't know if good's the word it wasn't bad it I was mean, more compelling was, i'll say that much it was it was much more compelling it was very compelling but it wasn't like a great match 
And I don't know, like they had the, their lights out match a year ago and they were great. I don't know what it is now, but they haven't been able to like, recapture what they had. Like, I almost feel like I want to go back and watch that Lights Out match to just see, like, okay, does this hold up? It, what is the thing that was missing from these two matches that that match had? Um, like, because I, if I recall, was that the first women's main event on Dynamite? I might be wrong there. Um, uh, I think, yeah, the Lights Out match, I think, was. Yeah, I can't think of anything that would have been earlier than that. And it just... Yeah, the, the the cage match was fine, but again, like the the crowd wasn't there for the the revolution match, and uh, I just I think a lot of people kind of saw where they were going with the fact that they were going to be in San Antonio in two weeks, and it just yeah, just not the way that I'd have done this. Like I just feel like you could have held the match off for two weeks and had thrown uh, fucking anyone in here like Statlander again. Um, yeah, or even just not had Britt Baker on the show and just held it off for those two weeks. Like, there's nothing saying you needed to have her defend the title on this show. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, Thunder Rose is the champ now, which everyone kind of, I, I, you would have had to find a someone with some strong convictions to bet against Thunder Rosa being the person to beat Britt Baker for the title. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see where we'll go with that and what Britt Baker goes with next because. I imagine there'll be whatever kind of internal feud with uh, Jamie Hayter, but I, I, I do think there's saying. a feud with Jamie Hayter in, on the horizon. I think that's something that they might go to sooner than later. John Moxley defeated Brian Danielson by pinfall in 21 minutes five seconds, in just uh, uh, whatever you kind of figured this match would be. It was pretty much that, and led to the formation of the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, yeah. With William Regal making his debut, um, who then, like, I think it was the week after, or the Dynamite after, cut one of my favorite promos in a while, uh, where he just fucking, it was a man who had not been in front of a crowd in a while, had not cut that kind of promo in a while, and just had a lot of shit to say, and, uh, you know, you could put him in front of the, the mic for 10 minutes every week, and I would listen, because he's one of the more compelling people to listen to and uh i listened to his podcast with jericho and it was a lot more like intense and harrowing than i was expecting uh that man has lived a life it's fair to say uh what did you think of this match yeah. and, and regal so far in the i AW? thought the match was really good a very hard-hitting match for sure but, you know, I did, I did think it kind of got overshadowed with the debut of William Regal because that was a very big story that I don't think a lot of people were expecting. And then he did cut the promo the, the next uh, time on Dynamite, I think, and he talked about his health and he talked about uh, recruiting Daniel Bryan, or Bryan Danielson and uh, and uh, John Moxley. And the, the Blackpool Fight Club? Is that what they're called? The Blackpool Combat like, Club. Combat Club, yeah, that, that's. I mean, when Brian Danielson first proposed that a few weeks ago, I was like, "Yeah, go for it." And that sounds great. Taking guys like, like, well, back then it was Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia. Although Daniel Garcia is now with uh, Jericho, but yeah, I mean, I, I love the idea of them bringing in. A younger talent to teach and, and you know they're kind of doing that with Wheeler Yuta 
don't know if they're going to go all the way with it, but they, they, they're certainly teasing that. You know, him and Daniel Bryan had a, a, I keep saying Daniel Bryan. Bryan I Danielson. still keep doing it. Don't worry. <laughs> it's, it's been like 10 years of that makes me do that. Uh, yeah, he, him and uh, Wheeler Yuta had a great match on Dynamite. They did. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. That is, it sounds exciting. It sounds exciting to bring in, uh, see these established talent working with the younger talent. I like, I like the idea of that. Do you think Cesaro fits into this picture here somewhere? Or, I mean, do you see him in AEW as a whole? Uh, like, cause a lot of people have mentioned that, um, he could fit into this thing. And, you know, obviously the history of him and Regal in, uh, in NXT and like, it makes sense in that regards, but like, do you think that that would fit? I think it makes sense, and I think he would be a great fit in the, that group. I, you know, I would love to see Cesaro in AEW because I would really like to see where his ceiling is. Because WWE always slaughtered him in the same position for so many years, 11 years, I think, and he always overperformed. And I'm not saying like he was a great promo, and I think that limited him in, in some ways in WWE. But in AEW, I don't think that's much of an issue as it would be in WWE. So I would really like to see him in AEW, and I would like to see him to, to see how how far he can go. So so yeah, I think that would be you know him in this group. I think would be a very good idea. Uh, Darby Allen Guevara and Sting defeated Andrade, Oidolo, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy uh, in a fucking wild six-man tornado tag team match. Uh, Sting has gone full Terry Funk at this age of his career, yes. and I am all in for this <laughs> shit. Please go through more balcony Sting and splash the tables. Fucking really lunatic. Cool. Um, yes. I actually, I want to say... 63. It's 60, 64 now, in 64. fact. Um, I want to give a shout out to the the triple threat match that happened. I think it was the rampage just before this pay per view. the 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 timeline of like this feud has been a bit weird, but the uh, Guevara Andrade Darby Allen match from Rampage just before this pay per view, I thought that was a spectacular triple threat. I thought that was uh, just a real high paced, high octane style type of match, uh, and. Between like this, this feud and the Darby Allen match, the last night in Dynamite, I'm starting to get like Andrade is starting to kind of get into that next gear, and I feel like they're starting to kind of figure some bits and pieces. And if they want to put him into a uh, like a, uh, a a mini feud with Hangman between like this and whatever, like the big next big thing for Hangman, I'm all in on on Andrade at the moment. He's really starting to come together now. Yeah. I mean, there there was a time at first where it's like, uh, is this going to work? But uh, over the last few weeks, I think he has found himself. He has found a groove. And, you know, this feud with Darby Allen, I think, has really helped him a lot. Established him as a, as a guy, as a good guy to have on the roster. So, yeah, I mean, they had a pretty good match on Dynamite last night. So um, we'll see where that goes goes i think he has proved uh, to himself and to everybody that you know he he belongs in AEW and he can keep up so that that's good um and yeah our main event for the AEW world heavyweight championship hangman and page defeat adam cole in 25 minutes 45 seconds in a match that like was fine but you know i i feel like it just 
it got swallowed up in the uh, the fact that a I don't think the feud has been particularly compelling, and I'm still not finding the feud compelling coming out of of this pay per view. Like I really feel like they should have just shut up shop on this feud and moved on to the next thing. Um, I, I just yeah I, I don't feel like it had the legs to carry on. And the fact that just that a lot of the other matches on this show, uh, I just think were more engaging in the build-up and actually in the execution. And yeah, I, I just, I've watched this match, but I, I, outside of Adam Cole's low-rent cosplay coming out of the ring, I just, I didn't, I don't come away with any like lasting impressions. And I think that the, uh, the match a couple of weeks prior with Lance Archer uh, was way more of a, of like a showcase of Hangman as, as the world champion than, than this match was. I thought this was a classic world title main event. There are better matches on the card. I do think that the match with Lance Archer a few weeks prior to this was better. But I did not think this was a bad match by any means. I, I thought they had a real classic world title match. Nothing more. But it was really good. And... um yeah, I mean, I th- there's people who do not like this this feud all that much, or do not think it was as compelling as it could have been, and I, I agree with that. I think there, there's been more compelling uh, Hangman Page feuds, more compelling Adam Cole feuds, but I thought this was good. Uh, I thought everything about it was was good, and you know they're continuing it post Revolution and. I don't know. We'll, we'll see where it goes. I, I'm guessing this is going to lead to another match at Battle of the Belts, which takes place sometime this month or in April. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. On this pay-per-view, we also got the debut of Shane Swerve Strickland, who immediately you just saw him and went, how the fuck did WWE fuck this up or <laughs> let this guy go? That's uh, the story of a lot of people. Because this man is is just a level of charisma and swag and cool, not unlike what we were talking about earlier with Scott Hall. Um, he's just effortlessly cool. He does cool, have that, you know. Yeah, I mean, he he effortlessly cool. He he's a uh, sort of comes off as really cool, and you know, not many people can convey that in pro wrestling. So he comes across very well, and he's had uh, good stuff since he he debuted. So. Yeah, I'm like not even just in AEW, but over the course of March, um, he had a really great match with Karen Noir uh, in progress for the world title, uh, which was I think the first match of his I'd watched since he'd come back, and um, he made a, a you know tremendous showing for himself. Um, I actually I watched the the match with him and Nick Wayne as well in his return to Defy Wrestling. And also, he had a match in New Japan Strong for, against Jay White. He was the surprise opponent there. And yeah, and that was another tremendous showing. And, and Jay White, I think, is having like a sneaky, underrated year uh, in general. But um, yeah, just Strickland's charisma is, is off the charts. And when it comes to AEW, I feel like it's just, it's the only limit here is like whatever Tony Khan's reservations might be about wanting to push him as far as he wants. Because. I, you can go all the way with him, and I think he will like knock over anything you put in front of him. Um, so yeah, I'm of all of like the recent signings that AEW have made, Strickland is the one that I'm putting like all of my money behind in terms of like the success yeah. that he can well, get to and should get to. 
That one was the no-brainer. Um, I mean, it's amazing that WWE did not see much in him. They they saw they saw him and went short. That's what I'm guessing. And um, yeah, now now he's out and he's doing cool stuff everywhere. And it's you know everything is he's getting is well deserved because he comes off as a really cool guy, really good worker. I'm interested in seeing where he goes in AEW. He's another one where I'm like, well, let's see where this goes and how far he can go. So, yeah, so that's it for Revolution. Uh, a couple of, like, short things to, to discuss. Um, we mentioned briefly there, like, Tony Storm made her debut last night. Uh, she beat the Bunny in a Owens, uh, the Owen Cup qualifying match and has now announced that she's signed with the company. Um, obviously, it's a smart signing to make. Tony Storm has a presence and a charisma about her. There was a lot of chatter going on today in circles about, and, and this has been going on for a while now, about Tony Storm. And like, is she someone who everyone thinks is better than she actually is? Because her, her output in the last couple of years, and I think going between um, when she won the Mae Young Classic and then now... She hasn't really had any kind of like standout matches. And before then, obviously, you know, like her work kind of speaks for itself. But like a lot of people seem to be of the opinion that she obviously has a, a charisma and, and she has a look, you know, goes about saying. But actually on the in-ring side of it, maybe she's a little bit overrated. And I will now, I, I will wait and see because I feel like in AEW, there's more of a chance that she'll get to actually showcase what she can do. And... I wouldn't be stunned if she ends up um, back over in Japan at some point as well. So I'm going to wait and see. Um, but I will say that last night's showcase, it wasn't a bad match. But again, the crowd just, they popped when she came to out. To me, with that match, it did not need to go as long as it did. Why are we having like a competitive six, seven minute match with uh, the Bunny in your debut? Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't help the fact that like the bunny is not exactly a push commodity at the moment, you know. Like no. this really didn't need to go more than two minutes. No, um you, you know, there there is that thing with Tony Storm where, you know, she comes across really well and she has a, a great charisma. So you think she she's really good. And you know, there I have seen really good Tony Storm matches. Uh, not recently, but, but you know, th I think that, that might be the environment, and that that too is why I'm like, let's wait and see where this goes, where she goes, because you know, for a long time she was just kind of doing stuff in NXT UK that not a lot of people remember. That then she went up to NXT and she kind of just did stuff there. That, that there, there wasn't like any like major big feud. She she did have some stuff, but like. I, I don't know, and I, I don't think it was there. It was like a great showcase for for Tony. Then she got called up to, to SmackDown, and we know what happened there with <laughs> two two pies Tony, where she gave herself a nickname after she got embarrassed by Charlotte Flair. Then she lost to Charlotte Flair, and she quit, which I, I don't blame her for quitting because it's that that probably was going to be the extent of her push in, in WWE. So. um yeah, well, now she's in an environment where she will have the ability to get over in. And it will largely be blamed on her if she doesn't get over. 
So we'll see where that goes. We'll see. She could, she could co go back to what what she used. I don't know if used to be is the right term here, but we can see a return to form, or we can see that you know maybe that's true. Maybe she is a overrated in some areas. We, I, you know, I don't know for sure, but you know this is the environment where it's like either sink or swim, and it's, I think that time is now for Tony Storm, and we'll we'll see where what what happens. We'll see what happens with her. Yeah, uh, the one other thing uh, over the course of month that uh, is prominent with AEW is the announcement of a working relationship with the DDT promotion from Japan. And uh, we've seen, you know, little inklings of this. We saw that uh, Konosuke Takashita, he came over for a little bit last year and also recently announced that he would be returning to AEW. And, um, yeah, I, I think this is, it's super interesting because, you know, you've got the whole thing with the, the Forbidden Door, and we've seen people from New Japan come in for, like, one-shots here and there, um, and there's certainly no signs that that relationship is closed down by any means. Um, but you think about, like, the implications of this, not only with DDT, but the fact that, you know, their parent company is Cyberfight, and, you know, they own TJPW, and they also own Noah, so, like, the doors that this opens i'm super curious about and i'm not like as up with the ddt product i watch most of the major shows when i can but even then i'll only watch like the kind of main matches uh like i watched the the, the main event of the the recent uh judgment which had uh tetsuya endo defeat konosuke konosuke takashita for the kod openweight title match which was a great match like really like one of those uh you can kind of see them sort of like define, trying to be in a match that defines a generation in that company, similar to what they did with Ibushi and Omega all those years ago. And yeah, like, look, I, I think there is not as much about bringing people in from DDT, though I'm sure, you know, it's a thing they can do. But there's this working avenue, there's this this funnel now to get some of the talent in AEW that need a little bit more exposure and need to get their reps in. You know, I think this is a great channel for them to go over to Japan, do a tour or two, get a little bit more experience, a bit of, bit of seasoning. You know, I think of someone like a, a Will Hobbs. Uh, I think this would be, you know, a great experience, a, a great source of experience for him, you know? Yeah. Um... That would be good. Uh, let's see more uh, season, uh, not as seasoned talent going to DDT and getting some work in a, in a new environment that's that's very different from AEW. Um, I I don't watch too much DDT. I kind of follow along and hear names and I hear matches and I see some stuff on social media, but not. I don't watch too many of the shows, but. Um, from my understanding, there's there's a lot of comedy on the undercard, and the, the top matches are, are much more serious. So yeah, um, it's 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 kind of a it, it, there's definitely a balance, you know. Uh, yeah. Like some people just think that DDT is an all out like comedy promotion, but it's like you've got Jun Akiyama on there. It is not a full on yeah. fucking comedy promotion, all right. <laughs> that would be an interesting name to see on uh, on AEW television. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, it would be. Uh, there is some interesting stuff that I'd like to see between these two, and be, you know, beyond you know, there, there's there's Noah and there's a Tokyo Joshi Pro, which I think we'll see a lot of talent from. I think we already have, isn't that where Nakito uh, works? That certainly is indeed. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So we, we we've seen some names from there before. So 
yeah, the, I guess this this firmly establishes a working relationship between the two companies, uh, Cyberfight and uh, and uh, an AEW. So we'll we'll see we'll see who comes in. It's 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 really and who goes over. So I have seen Michael Nagazawa already is uh, over there and doing stuff. So so there's that. I think he he, he was there before uh, before AEW. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Sounds cool. I need to make a passing mention of uh, the Impact card coming up this weekend. But also, we completely forgot, we glossed over the Super Card of Honor show. Um, yeah. The first card that is now run by Tony Khan. The, the Tony which, Khan era has, is going to begin tomorrow. I, I think, didn't we mention this like on the last episode? I think like the purchase went through like the day of or the day before. It was like very... It was still very new. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I, I'll start with Ring of Honor then, actually. Uh, yeah, they got their Supercard of Honor show, Supercard of Honor 15, uh, taking place from the Curtis Cowell Center, which is actually where AEW have run their like television events as well. Um, though I imagine this won't be set up as, as big yeah, a crowd. Yeah, this will be set up a lot lower. <laughs> but I'm super curious to see, like what this show looks like in terms of its production. Yeah. It's been confirmed that Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman will be back for commentary, uh, which I think is great. Uh, I think yes, they're great. Riccoboni is, like, by far, uh, like, probably the most underrated commentator. Yes. Um, and, like, even, really when you, even when you hear him talk, he sounds like he's commentating all the time. Like, I watched a bit of his interview for with Post Wrestling, and he just... He constantly sounds like he's in commentary mode. It's incredible uh, yeah. <laughs> the way he conducts himself. Uh, but this card, like, I think this card is, like, this and the Impact cards are, are two of the strongest cards of the weekend by far. There's um, some good stuff tonight, too, at WrestleCon. I'm going to watch that. I I can't. The WrestleCon, actually, there's so many fucking events this weekend. There's um, too many. I, I, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to catch up. If you ask me to it, it name you like a wrestle card match, I wouldn't be able to do so. Um, but tonight has a uh, Ishi and a uh, Timothy Thatcher. I want to see that. Oh yeah, definitely. Bandito's facing somebody where I saw it's like, oh, I want to see that. Well, Bandito is also on this card in a uh, basically a unification match of the Ring of Honor World Championship and the Ring of Honor Classic Championship that uh, Gresham holds. Uh, for anyone under a rock, basically, this was meant to be the main event of Final Battle 2021, but Bandido managed to get COVID for the second year in a row leading up to Final Battle, the poor bastard. And, um, yeah, so basically, Bandido has been running around with the the current version of the title, and Gresham has defended the classic version of the title now 15 times since Final Battle. The, the man yeah, he's has... Been everywhere. He has been everywhere. Uh, he's insane, like his schedule at the moment. Um, but yeah, I would imagine Gresham is winning this match. Uh, like for all intents and purposes, he is in with AEW and certainly is going to be in with whatever version of Ring of Honor this is going forward. So I feel like this is very much just a tie-up loose ends. But you know, yes. I, I think this would be a great match. By, by the way, Bandito's facing uh, Mike Bailey tonight. So that, oh my God. that's the yeah. one I'm like... Yeah. I saw those two have a incredible match at WXW 16 Gold Carrot uh, literally the weekend before the pandemic started. So that match should whip ass. 
Yes, and there, there's like a 5,000 bounty about whoever has the best match gets like $5,000 or something. So that's bad. That's a <laughs> good right. incentive. Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Why not? Uh, so, but yeah, for a super card of honor, uh, I'm really interested in Bandido and Gresham because those are two different styles. And I'm interested in seeing how that works. I think they'll have a great match because they're two great athletes and great wrestlers. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, t- t- uh, tomorrow's show is going to be the first where we see, we kind of have an idea of what the Tony Khan version of Ring of Honor is going to be like. <clears throat> because, you know, t- to me it kind of seems like Tony Khan did not want to run a show during WrestleMania weekend. That's why he hasn't done anything for AEW. And, you know, he bought the company and they had already started announcing stuff uh, for the show. And I think it was too late to, to cancel. So we're going to go ahead and do the show. And they've announced some, some good matches. Uh, I'm interested in seeing the pure title match between uh, Yuta and uh, Josh Woods. Yeah, Josh Woods. I get, that okay. yeah. I get him and the guy from... Uh, what's his name? The, the, the uh, Briggs... Josh for some reason, Josh Briggs and Josh Woods I get mixed up on all the time. It's so weird. It's one of those weird things. But um, yeah, I think that's gonna. I'm interested in seeing that. There's good matches. Uh, Briscoes and FTR. They're finally gonna do that match. That's that sounds very interesting. So, so yeah, I'm interested in seeing how uh, this show goes. I, it, it's an idea. Of what we're going to see from a Tony Khan's Ring of Honor, but I don't think it's like the full-fledged uh, reboot in, in, until Tony no, Khan starts not. booking some shows on his own. Yeah, and it's a short, compact show as well. Like, there's only six matches on this card. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, part of it, obviously, is that, like, after the ending of Ring of Honor, all the talent's gone off in, you know, directions. There's no... None of the people that are currently in Impact doing the Honor No More, like, they're not on here. Um, and I think part of that is, I think, uh, if I get the Multiverse of Matches card up, which I did have there, yep. Um, I think uh, some of them are, yeah, like, Vincent is on, on this show. Um, actually, there's not as many people. Like, I don't know where um, Mike Bennett and... and Matt Taven are like I imagine they're around over the weekend, but they're not here. But PCO, he's on this show as well. Um, but we'll we'll get to the Impact show in a minute. Um, yeah, I, the the Briscoes and FTR obviously that started from from Final Battle, and everyone was kind of wondering where does this match actually take place. There was everything that's been going on about the fact that uh, potentially the blockers on the Briscoes have been from someone higher up in in the the Warner Company. Uh, due to the, uh, the the comments made by Jay Briscoe back in 2013, I want to say. And, uh, you know, we're not going to get into that here. But, um, yeah, like, I, I don't know if the Briscoes will end up in AEW at some point. But, like, at least this is a place where Tony Khan can book them to some degree. And I think Briscoes have been tremendous since Ring of Honor have, have gone under. And, and even before that, like... They're, they're doing they're, cool stuff for uh, GCW. Their running GCW places. has been awesome. Yeah. I've loved their stuff there. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens here. I could see FTR winning this and, you know, like, adding this to their, their AAA tag titles. Uh, and, and maybe, like, adding a little bit more juice to that Young Bucks match coming up in the near future. Yeah. So we'll see. 
Uh, and also, it, it's very funny that Jay Lethal was on this show. He cannot escape Ring of Honor, yeah, how, he can't however much he tries. Ring of Honor. That's, that's something. Um, yeah. Uh, who's he facing again? He what, is um, facing Lee Moriarty on this Lee show. Lee Moriarty, okay, yeah. Uh, which I imagine will be a very good match. Yeah, I, I like Lee Moriarty a lot. I, I've seen some of his work uh, in PWG and also here in, in, uh, in AEW, and he's he's had good stuff with like CM Punk. I think he had a really good match with Brian Danielson too recently. He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So funny uh, that having I, a having a good match with Brian. I Danielson. know he is. It's amazing how that works. Yeah. But yeah, uh, he's he's a he's a talent I'd keep an eye on, and I don't know. It, it's to me, it's like if. I want to start pushing younger talent on this Ring of Honor show. I would have him go over Jay Lethal. Kind of push. He would be a guy that I would push in a Ring of Honor that's like a quasi developmental league for uh, uh, AEW. He he would be somebody I would focus on. So, so what yeah. I what I am curious about, right? So this this impact wrestling multiverse of matches event and the supercard of honor are both taking place on the 1st of april i don't know if they're taking place at the same time um because i know that diana perazzo was originally scheduled for the ring of honor show and then she got booked for the impact show <clears throat> so they, they've got an interim uh ring of honor women's championship match between um what is her name? Willow Nightingale and Mercedes Martinez. Um, and Diana, she's on the, the Impact show um, for, like, against a surprise opponent. We don't even know who it's actually against. But, like, the Briscoes are also on the Impact show going up against the Good Brothers. So, like, I don't know if these two shows are at the same time or why Diana got pulled off of the Ring of Honor show for the Impact show. I don't know what the fuck is going on here. Um... But, you know, such there's is the result some, when you've got 85 matches or 85 yeah. cards over the weekend, you know? I think part of it may be that there's just too much stuff going on th- this weekend. And this is perhaps not the weekend for Deanna to drop, to drop the title. Because I'm sure that the idea here is she, she's going to drop the title to somebody. Um, but I, I'm guessing that between all the cards and um, Impact running a bunch of shows and not wanting to do the job this weekend i guess i guess diana wasn't they, they couldn't agree to a to a match where this would have worked um, i guess i guess that could be the case as well yeah yeah i mean because I, I am assuming that she's dropping the title sooner than later uh to who who, who I, I guess it would be whoever wins this intro match i could see it being mercedes martinez uh, i i, I, I could see that yeah yeah uh, but yeah, this this Impact Multiverse of Matches event, which is basically Impact just being like a super indie for one night only, uh, as we've got yeah. like a bunch of uh, of brand like di- different promotions coming in for this. As you mentioned, we've got Tomohiro Ishii against Eddie Edwards, uh, Chris Sabin versus Jay Wyatt, who have been embroiled in this kind of bigger feud with the Motor City Machine Guns and Bullet Club, and um, Alex Shelley and Jay Wyatt had a awesome match a couple of weeks ago on the sacrifice event uh, and and the commentary did such a great job about bringing up the history of those two and you know alex shelley being like a mentor for jay white in japan and just that feud has been great and it's just it's so good seeing alex shelley on television whenever we can because you know he does have a full-time job and this isn't he's 
his full-time profession now um and it's always good to see the machine guns back as well so yeah uh, I, I, I like the machine guns i'm super looking forward to seeing cool. that uh the briscoes versus the good brothers which like i'm sure will be compelling just from a, a presentational point of view but i'm not expecting uh you know a four-star classic from uh, the good brothers at this time uh yeah. alex shelley and mike bailey uh mike bailey is someone kind of like gresham at the moment who is just all over the place at the moment um yeah i i had two matches of his that i rated where he was on the west coast one night and then on the east coast on the other night both awesome matches <laughs> he's been around I, I mean he got that visa and he's back and he is doing a bunch of stuff everywhere he's signed with impact um and he's he's doing interesting stuff there and he's doing interesting stuff all over the place so yeah it's he is definitely catching up on five years yeah, worth see, of mean, not being in america it, i think in 2016 i guess he got stopped at the canadian border and uh he didn't have the proper working papers or whatever and he got banned from the united states for a few years and earlier this year he, he or i think it was late last year uh, he got everything cleared it might be this year i don't know but yeah, he, everything's cleared now, and he's back, and he's in full force, and he's a wanted commodity everywhere, and he's he's doing good stuff. This might be his, his the weekend where he proves I mean he he belongs. He he can hang with everybody. Yeah, and you know Alex Shelley is just a perfect opponent. I, I think those two could have one of the better matches of the weekend, um, which I don't really think would surprise anyone. Let's be fair. Uh, Jonah and Joss Alexander versus Moose and PCO in a Hoss match. Uh, I don't know. This could either be like the best thing of the week weekend or the worst thing. Um, yeah, we'll see. No, PCO I'm sure. I'm sure this will be fun. I'm sure this will be fun. PCO is going to take some hard bumps. I, I can tell you that. Uh, th this could be pretty good. I, I like Jonah. Jonah's had a good run since uh, the WWE stuff. Moose is. Uh, you can say a lot about Moose, but he's he's generally pretty good joshua alexander is another one who i thought who i think has had a very good last year so i i think that that that'll be interesting to see how that goes it, it could be either a pretty good match or a or a train wreck so we'll see uh, and then there's a couple of other matches as well, um, but nothing else. I, I guess Mickey James and Nick Aldis against Chelsea Green and Matt Cardona is <laughs> that, a that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the, again, there's like 85 different fucking shows this weekend. Uh, there's no way we could cover all of them. Um, but whatever you are watching, I hope you have a good time of it. And uh, if you are in Dallas this weekend, uh, have a blast. But you know, stay yes, safe because because uh, Co COVID's still here. Still here. It's not gone anywhere still anytime here. recently. Uh, yeah. I think we should jump over to Japan and talk about the new Japan Cup, which culminated the other day with uh, a now two-time winner, Zack Saber Junior. Um, your overall thoughts on this tournament and and uh, Zack Saber Junior as the the uh, the two time winner. Well, I didn't watch the entire tournament because there there's ten thousand other things going on, and this was like a forty something man tournament. Forty eight, forty eight, which I gotta be in. Forty eight. I would say they is brought a bit everybody, including every junior and and young lion that they could think of, and they brought in the strong cards too. I don't. I think actually just. Sima. But uh, 
Yeah, so I didn't watch all of the tournament, but I watched the. I started to watch towards the end with the semifinals and finals, and I did watch Will Osprey and, and Zack Saber Jr., which was my uh, incredible match. I, I loved it. I, I love Zack Saber Jr.'s style. Um, it's very good, hard hitting, uh, technical, cool stuff, <laughs> cool style. <laughs> I'm not sure how to articulate that but it's just really good stuff and him and will osprey have and you know you could say stuff about both of them but um they, they had a really good match and uh and then he, he uh zach and uh, shingo had a really good match and i really liked the finish to, to their match that was really good really good stuff and uh the, the finals with uh, him and naito zach and, and naito that was also really good because uh there's, a lot, there's, there's still a lot of questions about Naito at this point of, of his career. Um, some argue that he's a little bit broken down. and, and you know, he, He's probably somebody who's had a lot of injuries. He has. Had, he has had a lot of injuries, especially in the last few years. Especially in the last year, he, he, he's had knee problems. So, so there's always a question mark about him now because it's been about 10 years since his a big push and... You know that that kind of style, the New Japan style, breaks can break you down, and and yeah, but uh, he, him and Zach had a really good match, and Zach won, uh, and I think that was probably the right move because I don't think you should go back to Naito and Okada just yet, and uh, and uh, Zach and Okada is, is relatively fresh. They haven't had a match since I think the 2019 G1 Climax Tournament. So, uh, and it's, it's going to be a great match, uh, especially this was Zack Sabre's junior's tournament. This was a, a great tournament for him, and he really stood out. And so uh, I'm excited to see how that, that match goes. It should be really good. I don't know if Zack will win the title. I don't, I don't think he will, but uh, yeah, it was, it's really good stuff from, from Zack Sabre Jr. This was, the, the highlight of the tournament was him. Yeah, what I liked about this tournament and Zach was that all of his matches felt a little bit different and he, he brought a little kind of different bit of flavor to each of them. And I think he finished most of, most of them like with a different submission or, or pin. And um, it just, yeah, he just, he offers a little bit of a different flavor um, when he's up there in, in like the high ranking singles matches. And I really think that that shone through in this tournament. And also, like you, you notice as well, like he's he's probably the bulkiest like he's ever been because he's always yeah. been a fairly um, he, he's filled out a bit. Yeah. yeah, he's always been you know like the lanky noodle man as he would say himself, but he's certainly filled out a little bit in a way that he he hasn't been before, and um, it it just adds that extra kind of little, little bit of credibility. Like I've never I've never watched a Zach match against the heavyweight and thought that he didn't hang there because he always just brought such a unique style and would just kind of wrap around his opponents that I would totally buy him being in there with a uh, like an Okada or whatever. But with this little extra bit of muscle in its frame, it's just kind of brought him up to that next level. And yeah. with this, this tournament win, I'm sitting here thinking, son of a bitch, could they put the title on him? Like, I, I, I've, I've almost worked myself into a shoot. Yeah, he he has such great tournament. You're, you're thinking like, okay, is he gonna win? But I don't know because Okada. I mean, it, it, right now it seems 
great that Okada's the champion. It does, but like, what is the purpose of this run with Okada as the champ? That's kind of like my issue. To me, the kind of idea I have is that it's the 50th anniversary of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So we're going to have all the key marquee matches that Okada can have. And I think this is the year where he's champion because he represents the the, the, the present and, and the future of New Japan. So it only makes sense that during this 50th anniversary year where they have big shows all year uh, commemorating the, the 50th anniversary of the, the promotion that he's the champion. So I that, guess that that's a really good point. Me. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good point, actually. I had not considered that. Um, I still kind of, I don't know, there's, there's that little part in the back of my mind that is like, Ah, it would be pretty cool if Zack was the champ, you know. Um, yeah, he just... I, I, you can do it for a little bit, and then Okada wins it back or something. But I, I just, I, I think know. he has such a good tournament. But you know, look, yeah, the whole point of this is for Zack to win this cup to make you be thinking these sorts of things. So um, we'll see what happens. But like you, you mentioned Naito there as well, and even though he's probably, you know, he obviously is in the twilight of his career, he still pinned Okada, Jeff Cobb, and Tanahashi in this tournament. So, you know, he's still, like, uh, a pretty prominent player. And if Okada does win this upcoming match with Zack, like, you're probably going straight back to Naito as a challenger because he now does have that victory over Okada. So that's, that's a little part of me as well that's thinking that maybe they could go with Zack because then you don't have to run Naito and Okada again straight away. I, I um, think they are, though, since, since uh, Naito pinned Okada in the tournament. So I think they are going to have that match sooner than later, probably. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying, is maybe they could go to Zack, so they don't have to run that match again straight away. Maybe. But I think that's probably the, the headliner for Dontaku. I don't know. I just... I feel like you've gone from having Naito and Okada as, like, that the big dome match a couple of years ago to running that match back, like, three or four times in a year seems... Well, I mean, let's be honest. It's it's not the weirdest thing that New Japan have done in the last couple of years. No. I sure as I'll take that over... Oh, sorry. I, take, uh, I sure as I'll take that over Evil. <laughs> because well, uh, I think that, that stuff we doesn't take... work for me. We would take most things over evil. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, do you do you have a, a, a personal kind of favorite match from this tournament overall? Uh, Will Osprey and uh, Zack Saber Jr. That, that that was a tremendous match. But you you, you know what? Uh, I like that match a lot. Now that would I don't know if, I don't think it's like match of the year, but it was really really good. Uh, but uh, one other match in the tournament that I do want to highlight is uh, uh, Ishii and. Hiromu Takahashi, because one of the stories of this tournament was Hiromu Takahashi making it pretty close to the finals. Like, he didn't yeah. get there, but yeah. he got pretty close. And he, and, or it was, uh, it was him as Suzuki, excuse me. Uh, yeah. Minoru him Suzuki. And Suzuki slapped and chopped the shit yes. out of each other. And that I was am epic. all here for that. Like, like, it was, it was like a 10, 15 minute match, and like the first 10 minutes were just. Them slapping each other in the chest as hard as possible. And it was amazing. You just kept seeing their chest, especially uh, Hiromu. I think Hiromu's got really uh, busted open. Like, you could just see the blood trickling from their chest as they, and they just keep slapping the shit out of each other. And it was incredible. It was incredible television to witness. 
and you can see, you can hear the people clapping and getting behind it. And damn, that's that that's the kind of matches you need during this kind of environment where people can't react, and you could just so you could just watch people just smack each other as hard as possible. And yeah, that's, we that's we call that they, the Noro approach. Yeah, the Noro approach. That's what they did here, and it was epic. I, I loved it. Yeah, I think uh, for me that would definitely be one of my highlights. Um, I, I think the the Naito Cobweb match was sneaky underrated, uh, and I think the Naito Okada match, while certainly not like you know the best in this series, I think was still just like those two could have a four star match in their sleep really at this point. Uh, but you know, like yeah, I, I think that uh, Zack Saber is on a, an incredible level of momentum and. The push has been warranted by the fact that he came in and had had just a tremendous series of matches leading up to uh, the the finals, and uh, yeah, it's probably it's probably the most compelling main event they've had for a while in terms of I really don't know which way they're going to go um, with who's going to win between Okada and Zack. So uh, good job, New Japan. You've been garbage for a while, but you 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 kind of. You're bringing it back around again. You've got me invested a little bit more than you you had before. So well done. I don't know if I want to call New Japan garbage, but man, that the evil stuff just takes everything down. They're still fucking going time. with it. They just can't yes. let go. I don't know how Dick Togo got all this power to do all this shit, but man, it's not resonating with me in the least. It's bad. Like, he has to have some dirt on Gato. That's the only thing I can think I, of at this point. I don't know. I think I think they, they think this is, like, good heel heat. The problem is... But but when you do that, and WWE does this too at times. Actually, a lot of people do this, but... The difference between good heat and bad heat is... Good heat is you want... Is, is when you do stuff, and it makes me compelled to watch further, because you want to see the BFAs get their win. And you want to see... The bad guys get defeated, and you know in New Japan there there there, there are times where evil will lose, and, and rightfully so. But the way they do their stuff, it's so repetitive and so boring and, and lame, and they do it up and down the cards on every card. It gets so monotonous; it's just not resonating with me. I'd rather just ignore the show than than pay attention to what they're doing. That's not good heat. No, it's bad. No, heat. you are. You're all right. You are. I, I, I wouldn't exactly call that a contrarian take. Uh, it's no. yeah, <laughs> and it's it's just an ongoing issue that just there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. I think that's the worst yeah. thing. Is like there's no, there's no end point for any of this currently. Even during the bull club stuff, where they spent like an entire G1 tournament, where they, just people just interfered and kind of similar to this, but just lamer. Even during that, though, at least there's a story to it, and it was toned down after. This it has not been toned down. If anything, it's it's been every uh, like they're building to a show of Desperado match, and I cannot tell you, you know, it's so sad with show because show is extremely talented, and you know, for me, it was like I could see this guy being like like the top babyface junior ace in the, in the next few years and now he's a heel 
He's not. Ha he's going out of his way to have bad matches. And now I'm going to have to watch this and Desperado, and they're going to do lame stuff. It's good. There's going to be stuff with the wrench, and you know all this other stuff. Probably a bunch of interference from Dick Togo and everything. It's like I'm not looking forward to this at all. This is the least. This is the least interesting junior title match I, I've probably ever heard of. This is not resonating with me. It, it yeah. sounds like shit. No, I no. I agree. I fully agree. No, thanks. Um, we will stay in Japan for a short minute while I just talk about uh, Stardom. Had their two Stardom World Climax shows. Um, night one was called The Best. Night two was called The Top. Uh, I, I'd say the most significant uh, piece of news, obviously, was the return of Kairi Hojo. Just going by the name Kairi now. Um, she made a return in a tag team match. Her and Mayu Watani uh, defeated Tam Nakano and Unagi Sayaka. And... I wouldn't say it was any kind of like match of the year contender, but um, just seeing Kyrie Sane or Kyrie back in the ring, uh, she obviously has a, a star quality and a star aura about about her in a promotion that is packed with a lot of talent that now has that aura. Uh, Stardom really is just the the level of talent they have and the level of depth they have um, up and down that roster is is insane. So the addition of Kyrie Sane. To that roster, uh, it's, yeah, like, Stardom have got, like, an insane year ahead of them, and I'm really looking forward to the upcoming Cinderella tournament, and certainly the, the five-star Grand Prix later on this year, because they have so many wrestlers to pick from, um, to kind of push to that next level. So, uh, yeah, like, Kyrie looked really good here, she didn't look like she'd skipped a beat, um, and, and, and this is, you know, if you want to see... That version of all that Kyrie not in WWE, like, hey, this is a great place to kind of jump back on um, the, the bandwagon with stardom. Uh, I think she had a, a stronger showing the next night against Starlight Kid. Uh, Starlight Kid is someone I, I'm really high on. Um, and yeah, this was a really, really tremendous performance as well. So yeah, re a really strong return for Kyrie here over these uh, two nights. Um, the main event of night one was Siri defending the World of Stardom title against Julia in 26 minutes 54. A very hard-hitting, very physical uh, fight that were, made sense as this has kind of been the the you know the split that we've had. <coughs> excuse me, in Donna Del Mondo, and um, you know like. Just just a war is the best way I can describe it. And I've really enjoyed series work over the last year or so. I think Julia is... I, I will say that one issue, and I don't even know if it's an issue, is that stardom for me at the moment is basically we're just waiting until we put the main title on, on Julia. Because for me, she is the person that has like that next level... Uh, charisma or that next level like presentation um, and I'm not in Japan so I can't say that like that's what the room that's the read of the room the lay of the land but for me you know like if I was running a company I would put the house on Julia and just run with it for the next two years yeah um, I haven't watched yeah. too much stardom I didn't watch any stardom this month I, you know, I always hear good things about stardom but it's too much other stuff going on but uh, I do see your point about Julia in that you know I've seen her and it, she she comes across like a star. She come across she comes across like somebody who absolutely you you should focus on, especially if you want to push 
you know, that she, she's really good. She's a good worker. She has a charisma that not a lot of people on that roster have. Like, like this main, this next level charisma. You should definitely go all the way with her. I, I think she's something really special that you should focus on. Yeah, uh, my other favorite from the company, uh, on night two, uh, Saya Kamitani defended her Wonder of Stardom title defeating Tam Nakano, who she defeated for a couple of months ago. Uh, Tam Nakano has been one of my favorites over the last year or two. Uh, she's had some of my favorite matches over the last two years, <clears throat> and certainly when she was the um, Wonder of Stardom title. And this match was probably even crazier than the last match, like Nakano... She's kind of similar to Hiromu in, in some of the ways where she just has a, a complete disregard for her own well-being and that of her opponents at points. Uh, and this was a super, like, physical affair as well. Um, that you, like, if you saw Natan Nakano for the first time, you didn't know anything about her, you wouldn't think she was as, as physical in the ring and strikes as hard as she does. But, like, yeah, she I would not want to be kicked or punched by her. I know that much anyway. So, um, if you have time to see anything from these two shows, the Wonder of Stardom title match from Night 2 uh, would be the strong recommendation I would put to you there. And I guess that will lead us into our last segment, where we talk about our favourites of the month of March. Uh, so, Brian, I will start with you. And uh, who was your wrestler of March 2022? I am going with Zack Sabre Jr. because he had a tremendous tournament. Uh, the, the matches with Shingo and Naito were great. Uh, his match with Osprey was incredible. I, I, I don't know if I would say it was my match of the year. I would have to go back and look at my list, but I mean, it's up there. Just tremendous wrestling uh, between those two, and they had a really, really, really good match. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this was the month where Zack Sabre Jr., you know, pretty much solidified himself as one of the top talents in the world. He had great matches with everybody, and now we're going to move on to April and see how he does with uh, a hyper battle with uh, Okada. So yeah, he had a great month, uh, better than most people's months. Yeah, I uh, I'm in agreement with you. My wrestler of the month is also Zack Saber Junior. Uh, I think that he, as I mentioned earlier, I, I think that he just brought a different flavor to the New Japan Cup. And each of his matches felt uh, different, compelling. You know, like even his match with Great Okan, I, I think that those two have like a weird chemistry about them in the way that they they wrestle each other. And um, if they wanted to go all the way with, with Zach at this point, uh, I think now would be the time to do it. I'd really like them to do it. I think it would kind of freshen up the, the main event scene a little bit. And uh, and I think that he could have a, a very compelling run with the title. But I also understand why you would want to keep it on a carter as well. Uh, and I think, again, this just kind of speaks to how well this match has been put together in terms of, like, you could go either way and you could make compelling arguments either way for it uh, as compared to... Uh, Roman and Brock where it doesn't fucking matter so uh, yeah once again good job New Japan and good job Zach uh, you had a tremendous New Japan uh, New Japan Cup tournament your match of the month for March my match of the month is Zach Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay they had a again tremendous match uh, not much more to add uh, definitely among the top matches of the year uh, both of them are just incredible and 
we'll see where it goes. I, I, I like I don't know if Zack Sabre Jr. will win the title, but if he does, it's well deserved because he is one of the better wrestlers in Japan, in New Japan, and probably all over the world, all over the world. Uh, I feel that confident about it now. So yeah, uh, good stuff from him this month and a good, great match. My match, uh, uh, you know, like that would probably be my top three. Uh, I do think those two, like, you know, they like their match uh, from high stakes the year before last, I want to say, uh, was easily one of the, the, the matches of that year. So um, not surprising that they could follow up with another tremendous match. Uh, my match of the month, uh, slightly out of left field maybe, is Mike Bailey versus Alec Price from Blitzkrieg Pro. Uh, this took place on the 25th of March. Uh, I recently got myself a IWTV subscription. So I've been watching just a bunch of like random matches and promotions over the last couple of days or so. Uh, and I sprung across this match. And Alec Price had a, a great match at the start of the year against JD Drake. A super underrated match. Um, and, and JD Drake is someone who uh, just, you know, I, I feel like he is probably the biggest like bust that AEW have had so far in terms of having a talent and just not figuring out something to do with him because he he's, he's just such a kind of a, a brawler but like can move like a cat you know um but i guess they have keith lee to fill that spot in but anyway yeah like as mentioned mike bailey has just been on another level he's been tearing up on the independence in back in north america and this match of alec price uh, was just like just one of those kind of non-stop matches where kind of similar to the uh, the triple threat tag match revolution it just it got better the longer it went on and you can always get to the point and certainly in the independence where two guys just keep going and going and going to the point it's like you're just doing moves now and this match should have ended five minutes ago and this wasn't the case with this match like they ended it right at the perfect time um, it never felt like it was excessive in the terms in terms of like the moves they were doing. Everything was fluid. Everything was crisp. Uh, like Alec Price, physically he doesn't like have that much of a presence about him, but he's an incredibly like polished wrestler. For for someone who's still quite young, I think he's only in his early twenties. Uh, and and Bailey is like just is one of the best independent wrestlers on the scene at the moment and has been for a while now. So, yeah, this was from Blitzkrieg Pro. Uh, uh, I think this match was just, uh, yeah. I, I only watched it the once, but I want to go and watch it again because just, it just yeah, one of the best things I've seen this year so far. Uh, and finally, we will wrap up with our promotion of the month. Um, and I feel like this could go a couple of ways because there's been some good stuff out there. But, uh, but Brian, yeah. who, who are you picking as your promotion of March? I had to think about it for a while because I wasn't really sure. Like, like, what company stood out the most this month? And the answer is... I don't know. I, I, I had a hard time thinking about it. Like, there's good reasons to... Uh, say New Japan, because they had a, a pretty good tournament and they had a lot of great matches. You could say New Japan. AEW, I think, has been on a roll lately and they've had good television and they have had a, they had a really great pay-per-view. I wouldn't say it's like among the best pay-per-views that AEW's put out, but there are a lot of matches on that card I like a lot. So, and, you know, nobody else else is really in contention. Uh, so it was between those two, and after thinking about it, I decided to go with AEW, but you can make a point for either one. Um, AEW, I just thought, had 
overall better stuff consistently. Whereas in New Japan, you had, you know, the evil stuff and, you know, other stuff that didn't work. But I think AEW has been more consistent and they've been pretty good. And there's always one or two good matches from the company per week. And that that's really cool. So I would probably go with them. I am going to say, I'm going to go with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, this is the first time they have won this war this year. But I do think that they just, I, I feel like the New Japan Cup was a little bit of like a return to form for them after a period of time where they've just been all over the fucking place. Um, I, I feel like this tournament just had a little bit more cohesion to it. It's still way too long. 48 people is just is too much. It's too excessive. But I do think that certainly like the latter half of the tournament, um, it all came together. And I think that, uh, yeah, uh, just a bunch of really good matches across this tournament. So, yep, New Japan, you've got it for this month. Now, don't fuck it up and keep this, this goodwill going, please. Because <laughs> I'd like you oh, to be a good company again. Or, like, please, a great company please again, Please be I good, guess. New Japan. Yeah, so I guess we, we'll leave it there for your March uh, edition of the Grap Up. Uh, again, as mentioned, anyone who's in Dallas this weekend, have an awesome time. Uh, watch all the wrestling you can, and then don't watch anything for a couple of weeks and <laughs> get that cleanse yeah. that you need. Uh, Brian, as you mentioned, you are going to be doing some streaming of WWE 2K, or just you know streaming yes. again in the near future. So where can in the people... near future. Where can people hit you up for that on the old Twitch? Yeah, f uh, follow me on, on Twitter at VR26, and I will have all the details whenever I do decide to start streaming. I wanted to do it this week, um, but, you know, between getting stuff set up and the 4,000 shows, I, I, I completely forgot when when hyping uh, that it, this week for Thursday that I completely forgot that there's going to be shows starting tonight. In a few yep. hours, actually. Yep. They're starting so now. It's, it's like, Bloodsport is on as we speak. Yeah, I think Bloodsport... I think I've, I just saw Bloodsport starting now, so I'm going to tune uh, into that when this is over. But, uh, yeah, there's just too much stuff this weekend to really focus on uh, streaming, so I'm going to go ahead and delay it to next week. But, yeah, I fully intend on streaming 2K22 and all the stuff involved there with the uh, F4W Gaming. I really hadn't streamed in a long time, uh, mostly because uh, whenever I have an idea to stream, it, something would come up. It's, it's always it's, it's, I think one thing that people don't realize when you're you're streaming and you, you try to do it consistently is that it's time consuming. It takes a lot of time to set up and to uh, to, to do it, and then where how you want to upload it and. How, what you want to share with people it's it can be very much a time, uh, time consuming process so Certainly. I've, yeah. I've, I've kind of put that to the back burner for the last few months but I am starting to I bought hardware new hardware software no hardware it's hardware I bought new hardware so we're, I'm, I am getting back there eventually and uh, we'll see how it goes I, I, I've always enjoyed streaming but it's just a lot of work yeah, it's finding the right time to do it. And I only I, have one day of the, I only have one day of the week where I have time off, so it's yeah. Yeah, I I, 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 I wanted to stream um, more than I have been as well, but like I decided to you know start doing a, a college course and uh, making oh. games takes a lot of time, so 
uh, all all of the time that I was going to spend streaming, I've spent you know basically doing college work over the last year and a half or so. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm also hoping at some point in the near future I can I can start streaming again, but certainly not the time at the moment. Yeah, you know when you're when you're focused on life, it's it's really hard to find time for, and especially like for for me, who is working most nights. It's just like when I have my day off, I just don't want to do anything. You yeah. know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, there's times I, where I just don't want to do anything. And, and streaming is not doing nothing. It's it's doing a lot of stuff. No, there's there's a lot, and certainly if you want to like you know edit the clips afterwards and put that yeah. up, there's there's a lot that goes into it, definitely. But um, but yeah, we will leave this episode here for now. Uh, as always, you can catch Brian Rose on Twitter at br26. I am at Lithium Project. And uh, yeah, stay safe, stay sane, and we'll see you again next month for another edition of The Grab Up.